to the significance of the musicianship of trumpeter Wynton Marsalis or doubts about his myriad achievements or the depth of his artistry or his feeling for music and the history of music and the influence it has on our lives, then I invite you to get lost for an hour or two, as I did, in his website, wintonmarsalis.org. In his blog, you will read entry after entry, leading you into a rabbit warren of joy and discovery. His bio alone covers seven pages of achievement after achievement. Wynton Marsalis, the internationally acclaimed musician, composer, band leader, educator, and leading advocate of American culture, was born the second of six sons in New Orleans, Louisiana, on October the 18th, 1961, to acclaimed musician Ellis Marsalis and his wife Dolores. At an early age, Winton exhibited a superior aptitude for music. At the age of eight, he performed traditional New Orleans music in the Fairview Baptist Church. At 14, he performed with the New Orleans Philharmonic. During his high school days, Winton performed with the New Orleans Symphony Brass Quintet, New Orleans Community Concert Band, New Orleans Youth Orchestra, and New Orleans Symphony among others. Wynton Marsalis has created and performed an expansive range of music, from quartets to big band, chamber music ensembles to symphony orchestras, tap dance to ballet, expanding the vocabulary for jazz and classical music with a vital body of work that places him amongst the world's finest musicians and composers. At the age of 17, Winton became the youngest musician ever to be admitted to Tanglewood's Berkshire Music Center. Despite his youth, he was awarded the school's prestigious Harvey Shapiro Award for Outstanding Brass Student. In 1979, he moved to New York City to attend Juilliard. The list of people that Winton Marsalis has performed with or studied with, honorary degrees he has been granted, the list of awards he has achieved is both inspirational and a little daunting. For example, Wynton Marsalis has won nine Grammy Awards. In 1983, he became the only artist ever to win Grammy Awards for both jazz and classical records. And he repeated that distinction by winning jazz and classical Grammys again in 1984. To this date, Winton is the only artist ever to win Grammy Awards in five consecutive years. But take away all of these things and you will find at the heart of everything what we are told are Winton Marsalis's core beliefs and foundation for living, based on the principles of jazz. He promotes individual creativity, improvisation, collective cooperation, swing, gratitude and good manners, sophistication, and faces adversity with persistent optimism, the blues. And when I had the opportunity to speak by phone with Wynton Marsalis, I discovered a man who has a deep generosity of spirit and warmth, and a man who is engagingly self-effacing. 
we have many, especially young folk here, who aspire to be great musicians. You yourself were a child prodigy. Your father being a great jazz pianist himself, Ellis Marsalis. I suspect you had very little choice in the matter that music was handed to you in the crib. Yeah. Well, no, you're very generous saying I was a child prodigy. I really was not. I wasn't even the most talented in my family. My older brother really could play and was had a great aptitude for music. And I have a younger brother. My older brother's name is Branford, and my younger brother is Jason. And he's like a savant genius type of a talent and ability for music and for math. And when we were growing up, it was actually a great struggle. My father was struggling, trying to make it playing jazz. And my father never pushed any of us into the music. I came to music really at 12 or 13, even though I had a trumpet when I was six years old. I didn't practice it, and I was not serious about it. I'm kind of here with what I would call near prodigy talent. Like I would work a lot and it could give the illusion that I was on a certain level at a young age. But an example of a prodigy in jazz would be Joey Alexander. Somebody 11 and 12 is playing things of a level of sophistication and complexity. It's unimaginable that a child could do that. I was not like that in any way. I loved the music more from a philosophical standpoint for, for what I thought it represented. And it wasn't just a given that we would go into music. I started with the trumpet. I got my first trumpet from a guy named Al Hurt. My father was playing in his band in the mid-60s, so he gave me a trumpet as a present for my sixth birthday. I started playing it. I wasn't serious about it, so I didn't really get serious about practicing until I was 12, and it was kind of going into high school. I went into high school and had an eighth-grade program, and I actually went into high school to play on a basketball team, and I left the basketball team and joined the band. And then I became serious about music around that same summer and, and began to practice. And, of course, being with my father, I grew up in clubs. But it was all like small club, local clubs, never populated with a lot of people. And uh, I, I actually saw them struggle a lot. A couple of years, when I was 11, he played in a club in, on Rampart Street in New Orleans, and the club was named Lou and Charlie's. That was one period where they had kind of a larger following, and people would come out, and I always loved the feeling in that club. They served great hamburgers, so at that age, I was more interested in the hamburgers than the music they were playing, but I, it's an experience that stays with me. I know a lot of young people who have taken up an instrument, and I know many of them will have experienced times when, you know, they don't want to practice. They, they'd rather do something else. Could you give a word or two about that and why they should keep on keeping on with that? Well, I definitely went through a phase where I was six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I wasn't interested in playing trumpet. So the one thing my mother would do is she would say, okay, you don't, you don't have to become a musician, but you have to practice this instrument. 15 or 20 minutes a day. So she didn't give me such a long time. I wouldn't, it was something I couldn't imagine doing. And I mean, I practiced, I played around. I wasn't really serious. After I became serious about it at 12, I didn't really go through that. I practiced last night. So even across these 40 something years, that has not changed in terms of wanting to be serious and practice. But we all have different capacities and we all realize things at different times. My advice always to younger people is just keep your finger on it. You know, just touch the instrument every day, play it. You can't force yourself to feel a thing, but practicing is not a fun activity. You know, there are some aspects of it that are fun. If you want to improve on your instrument, you have to do it. And just like everybody wants to play in a game, but 
doing exercises that get you to some type of athletic competition. Those those exercises are not fun. No, and that's that's so important, isn't it? The practice and the keep on, especially when you don't feel as if you're getting anywhere, because that can happen a right, lot. Right. It's like any level of preparation. And then it also becomes you think that your preparation is enough, and it's not. So I was lucky to be around students who were very competitive. So once I settled on whatever my level was, they forced me out of my level. And it, none of that was an enjoyable experience because we all want to believe we know what we're doing and we don't want to be told anything. But I was around students who were so accomplished and they didn't bite their tongues. So that by the time I got to be a sophomore in high school, I understood the type of work ethic I had to have in order to improve as a musician and to manifest development of my talent. So you became really serious about the music when you were about 12? Yes, ma'am. Was it a sudden inspiration, just a a growing realization that jazz or music was incredibly important because you excelled in both jazz and classical? Kind of, you know, jazz. I love records like Clifford Brown's records and Miles Davis albums that no one in my age had ever heard of. But I was also playing in a funk band, so I played the popular music of our day, but also competition in my high school. I was one of the worst trumpet players. I always laughed. Terrence Blanchard and I were in a all-district honor band when we were both in eighth grade, and we were the only two black trumpet players, and we were the two saddest. And we looked at each other, and we said, man, we're two of the saddest trumpet players here. We got to do something about this. And uh, we started to practice. Even though he lived in New Orleans, I lived in another city, but... You know, I started practicing. I wanted to be able to play, and I, I was not one of the better trumpet players, even in our high school. As a matter of fact, when I took my audition, because I, I actually went into school with some of my tuition to play basketball, and when the band director heard me play, he said, man, Ellis Marcellus' sons are coming here. When he heard me play, he looked at me and said, are you sure you're one of Ellis' sons? Like, I really was not, not that good. It was a combination of competition, interest. I started to listen to jazz records, whereas before I would never listen to an album. I got into the history of music, listening to Clifford Brown, listening to Miles, listening to Freddie Hubbard, different people who were playing. I started to meet great musicians like Clark Terry, Sweet Edison. So they kind of solidified my interest, even though I have to say that no one in my age had ever heard of any of them or were interested in what they were playing in the slightest. That must in some senses be difficult when you're hanging out with friends and you're heading off into interests at a time when, especially young men, they all want to sort of club together and be part of the team, part of the group. Yeah, you know, it's always interesting your relationship with groups because on the one hand you have the comfort of the group and the excitement of the group, so it's fun to do that. But on the other hand, you have your individuality and the things that you think and what are you willing to sublimate to be a part of that group? And at a certain point for me, I was... Just a lot of what my group was doing, I didn't want to do. So not just playing music. They were going to do this and that. It wasn't what I was interested in doing. And I tried to recruit them more to come over to the music. A lot of times it didn't work. But I felt that the music has so much to offer. And it's, sometimes it's good to not let the group define you. Like at that point, 12, 13, I decided I was going to be go more on my own. I remember many, many times trying to turn people on the John Cole Train's music or Miles, and they'd oh, man, we don't want to hear that. Every now and then you get little victories where somebody would say, oh, man, put that on, or put that train on again. Or just that they knew who Cole Train was, I thought was kind of a victory for where we were in space and time. Now that you are a professional musician, education is incredibly important to you. It's part of your fiber. Why is that? Why do you feel inspired to educate people and especially youth in terms of music and especially in terms of jazz? I feel the more you know about things, the more you can enjoy them. 
the more we know about food, the more we can enjoy eating. The more we know about any art, we can enjoy going to museums, the more we know about. So I feel that uh, one of the great jobs we have as musicians, especially of any music that has a development section, like classical music, jazz, things that take time that you have to cultivate, taste, to enjoy, is we have to start to inform the general public because I, being a person who was always around jazz and didn't like it, I understand why people have problems with our music. And once I became interested in the music and started to listen to it and having a father that was a jazz musician, I had an advantage in terms of understanding the objectives of the music. And I think as much as we can teach a listening audience what our objectives are, they will get more enjoyment out of it. And as much as we can use our music to show us how to interpret our way of life, which ultimately art forms are designed by people who represent that group at the table of their identity, I think the more successful we'll actually be in our country dealing with our democracy and the way we approach and address each other. Can you talk a little bit about the jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra? Um, they're just a fantastic musician. It's been kind of a blessing for me and my life to play at this stage of life with musicians of that caliber. We have 10 arrangers, they're leaders, people run jazz programs at universities. Victor Goins heads up the jazz studies at Northwestern University in Evanston, and they start programs. Vincent Gardner is starting a program in Houston called Jazz Houston. Uh, prayers and everything go out to them with the storm. And I could go through each member just that everybody improvises. They all have an unbelievable ability in terms of their uh, arranging and their concept of music. Each one has a different skill set, and they work together great as a group. So I've had the luxury of playing with them. It's really like having a band for people who should be leaders. The range and the sophistication of music that we've put together over the last 15 years, we have a huge library of new arrangements. We, we did concerts where different members of the orchestra presented original music, all standing ovations, people loving it, which is very unusual for original music. And I could go on and on and on how they teach classes. And most of the times when I leave places or we collaborate with people, they always ask, where did you find this band? And they're as great as people as they are as players. And that's important, isn't it? That relationship between you, that respect between you, that it's not just one person grandstanding, that it's the entire orchestra. That is the democratic process that our country has lost sight of. We don't all have the same point of view, so we have different points of views about music, but we find a common ground and we try to work it out, and we do work it out. Winton Marsalis, speaking to me by phone. Thank you very much to Winton Marsalis. And thanks to you, WVIA's Fiona Powell, speaking with Winton Marsalis before a concert at the Community Arts Center in downtown Williamsport in September 2017. We're continuing to mark Jazz Appreciation Month at WVIA. You may not know it, but Fiona Powell is the producer, engineer of the weekly program Jazz Standards, created and hosted by Sasha Feinstein. Sasha Feinstein from the faculty of Lycoming College, a poet and the creator and editor of Brilliant Corners, the only journal dedicated to jazz and literature. And he has such a remarkable collection of CDs and LPs and also uh, knowledge of jazz. And he brings that to us each Saturday night at 9 o'clock here on WVIA Radio. And he works with Fiona to bring that to a reality each and every week. So Jazz Standards, Saturday nights at 9 on WVIA Radio. ¶¶